The content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult a healthcare professional with any medical questions and concerns. If you are experiencing an emergency or need immediate help, call 911. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapeutic relationship. I just get so angry. It's hard to sit still. I don't want to be this way. My brain just feels all scrambled. Hello and welcome to Scramble. I'm your co-host, Chad Douglas. And I'm Nikki Shields. This is episode 14, Anxiety Unchecked. And what we're going to talk about in today's episode is what can happen if you ignore some of those signs of anxiety. Before we get into that, we always like you, uh, we always like to encourage you to uh, interact with us. We have a Facebook page called Scrambled Podcast. There we uh, have asked for topic ideas you think we should discuss. So you can find that thread and give us your ideas and we can see if we can make those future episodes. We also have an email address that is the Scrambled Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, we ask you to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because the more ratings and reviews we get, the higher up we go, the more people listen to the podcast and our goal of starting that conversation, which I think, check, we've, we've started the conversation. Now we want to continue the conversation and uh, we're going to need your help to do that. So share this on social media with uh, folks you think could benefit from the podcast and rate us and review us and we'll get more eyes, well, more ears on the podcast. That's the whole point of a podcast. Nikki, we were talking about anxiety unchecked. What happens if you ignore the signs and symptoms? So I think we need to talk about some of the signs and symptoms of anxiety, even though we've hit on them in past episodes, but let's refresh everyone. So yeah, so there's a lot of different things um, that can indicate possible anxiety. And the really tricky part is, especially with children, is that these can be signs and symptoms of a lot of things. And Mm so um, it can be other mental health conditions. It can be, you know, a lack of sleep. It can be vitamin deficiency. There's so many things that that these symptoms can be that it's really, really important to pay attention. So, um, but when we're looking at anxiety in children, some of the things that you might see would include uh, worries, of course, that, that, that one sounds pretty clear cut, right? Worries about specific things like parents or caregivers getting sick or, you know, somebody important to them dying. They might have worries about getting sick at school or around their friends. They might worry about not having enough food or not having enough money. Like, so specific worries. It might be also general worries, just a general worry about every little thing, um, not specific to to one item or one, one worry. Um, you might see refusal to leave the house or go to school, meltdowns um, in, in those situations that, you know, just before school or um, at school drop-off in the mornings, those kinds of things. You might see uh, fear of sleeping or being alone. So kids who won't sleep in their own bed, that can be an anxiety symptom. Um, nightmares, so, you know, bad dreams at night can be an indicator that your kid is experiencing some anxiety. Uh, you can have lots and lots of physical symptoms um, underlying anxiety. So a head Aches, stomach aches, uh, just general physical complaints that you know don't seem to be related to an actual physical problem, um, but are very much experienced as a physical symptom. It's it's not that they're making it up. It's just it's caused by anxiety, not an illness or anything like that. Um, other things you might see would include you know if if your child was struggling with anxiety, tearfulness, um, refusal to speak around other people. You might see you know, not wanting to go to things that other kids like to go to. The problem, and we've talked about this in the past, Nikki, is that, that anxiety symptoms, anxiety is a shape shifter. So if you have a kiddo that's got a tummy ache every morning before school, and then finally that gets better, then that anxiety finds a different way to manifest itself. And it might come out as, as fidgetiness. I know that was one of the first symptoms uh, that my son saw and then anger outburst. And we're like, mm-hmm. 
dude, what is the deal? Mm-hmm. And uh, I know just from a, a parent perspective, you, we talked about fight or flight and in, in an anxious kiddo, sometimes you get that fight or flight mechanism and it's just triggered and it's anger. Well, then that triggers the parents. And mm-hmm. all I want to do is fight back because gosh darn it, I'm the parent and I'm right. <laughs> when in fact, all they need maybe is a nice squeeze, a nice hug, some nice soft words. And I will say just from um, this morning, we had that situation where it's just like, you want to get so mad, but all he needed was a hug. And seriously, it was mm-hmm. a nice long embrace on his mm-hmm. account. And then things were fine. So anxiety is just really, really tricky to define. Yeah. And and I think that's exactly the, the message we had in an earlier episode about, you know, anxiety being difficult to spot in kids because it can look like so many different things. And, you know, that long list I had, I, I went on for days and there's probably a, a bunch of other things we could add to that. But some of the, the most common ones that people don't necessarily identify as anxiety right off the bat would be, you know, meltdowns, temper tantrums, things like that. We, we tend to look at that more as, you know, bad behavior or attitude or that kind of thing, or being spoiled. Um, we're not as likely to go, oh, I think that kid might be struggling. And so um, it's important to, you know, look, every behavior could be a symptom of anxiety if you're looking at it correctly. So there are a lot of different ways that you might see it. And that that's the important thing. Let's take it out of the house and and focus on, and I'll just throw in, because I've talked about this in the past too, that it was my son's first grade teacher that was the first one to notice it in my son. It, it wasn't my wife or I at all. Mm-hmm. She was the one who said he's being very fidgety in class. You might have him tested for ADHD. We did. Turned out after the evaluation, it was anxiety. So mm-hmm. that was eye-opening. So who can discover this in children? Anyone. Anyone that they're spending time around. So classroom teachers, daycare providers, uh, these are these are folks that are seeing them every day, day in and day out. They also have the unique ability to compare them to other kiddos. So if you know, you've only got one child or you've got two kids and they're different ages, you may not realize that what your child is experiencing isn't totally normal. You might not recognize it as a problem, but that daycare provider, that teacher who has a, a room full of kids or house full of kids, they can go, oh, okay, well, this is kind of out of the ordinary. This, we don't typically see this. And so they're really good at recognizing potential problems. Mm-hmm. Um, what what can be tricky for families though is, you know, sometimes you'll have a teacher or daycare provider, somebody else that says, you know, I, I think this this kiddo has ADHD or something like that. And um, that that can be alarming. But And that's why it's good that once somebody brings it to your attention, whatever it is, they might think it is, just get it checked out talk to your doctor, get referrals for further assessment, um, because, you know, it can be a lot of different things. It can look a lot of different ways and still be anxiety. Right. So the million dollar question for this episode then is what happens if you ignore some of those signs and symptoms of anxiety? Okay. So here's how it works. Anxiety is at its base, our body's most natural alarm system. Anxiety Mm -hmm. is what keeps us safe. It's what motivates us. It's what protects us. It does, does all these important things. And when, when we experience it, it's, it's our body communicating something really, really important to us about our environment, our situation, what's going on around us, that kind of thing. So when we ignore those symptoms, all those symptoms we listed off a little bit ago, we are ignoring the most basic alarm process our body has to indicate that there's a possible problem, right? So it's, it's super important to pay attention and figure out and, and evaluate and, and decide what these symptoms, these behaviors, these things might be telling us because they're usually an indication of a problem. Now, here's where it gets really tricky, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody's having a panic attack, you know, they're feeling like they're in mortal danger. And the reality is they're probably not, probably not, right? There's probably not a bear or a tiger chasing them. They're probably physically safe, but they do not feel safe. That doesn't mean that their body isn't trying to alert them to something. So, you know, if, if a 
child is hanging out with kids who are maybe making poor choices or getting them in trouble, they might start to have signs of, of anxiety. And that may be their body saying, hey, you you know, th- these kids that you're hanging out with are, are leading you down a bad path. You might have, you know, a work situation that's causing you a lot of anxiety. And that's your body's way of saying, ah, oh, hey, we got to do something about this. This is, we don't want this to keep going. So the anxiety is there to cool you in to, hey, something's not quite right. And with kids, it's really tricky because it could be six million different things, right? right? The thing that's not right could be they're missing a skill. It could be that they, you know, they haven't yet, that the anxiety is coming from them not yet knowing how to calm their bodies and minds and settle their bodies. Um, it could be that there's an underlying like nutritional deficit. Perhaps there, there's a vitamin that they're missing that's causing them to feel off, that's triggering some anxiety feelings. And that's their body's way of saying, hey, hello, pay attention to me. Really? Um, it, 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 yeah. I mean, it's anxiety can be caused by so many different things and it could indicate a problem, but figuring out what the problem is, is the important part. So um, it, it could be that, you know, if you think about adults, sometimes it's a little bit easier to go, gosh, I've had a lot more anxiety lately. What's going on in my life that might be contributing to that? Right. Well, I'm not sleeping well. I'm not eating well. You know, I'm I'm working too many hours or I'm not really talking about how I feel. Like we, we can't, I can't say always because this is hard for adults too. But more often than not, we have the ability to kind of go, huh, here, I think this is what's connected to my symptoms. With kids, it is so much harder to tell because they don't have all those things, all those systems figured out. And they may not recognize that, oh, I'm only getting five hours of sleep a night, uh, but that's that's a problem. And my body's trying to tell me that's not okay. And so, you know, when we ignore anxiety, we're ignoring that alarm system. We're ignoring our body's attempt to communicate, hey, something's wrong. Something somewhere needs to be addressed. We just may not know what that is. It's almost like if you ignore a smoke detector in your house or building. Um, and I think, you know, in buildings, work buildings, especially like, you know, it'll go off at work and I'm like, okay, let's, I got a few minutes here to finish up this email or whatever, but that's an alarm and you're supposed to pay attention to it. And in that case, get out of the building. So when you have an alarm going off in your body, you need to pay attention to it. Yep. Yep. You do. And it's my, my sister, I'm going to pick on her a little bit. She's not here to defend herself, but she'll often say when there's a problem, well, if I ignore it, it'll go away. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and whether it's a physical symptom or, uh, you know, the issue some other problem in our life. Oh, if I ignore it, it'll go away. The thing about anxiety is that's not true because it will do what you said earlier, Chad, it'll shapeshift, especially with children. If if you've got a symptom, you know, popping up and let's just pick a random one, um, difficulty, you know, sleeping by themselves, like wanting, you know, drawing out bedtime, not wanting to sleep in their own bed, that kind of thing. And you don't address it. You don't figure out what might be underneath that. Well, then it's going to turn into maybe another form. So maybe now we're resistant to going to school and the morning drop-off is hard. Maybe now we're not wanting to go to friends' houses or go to different activities. Maybe um, not wanting to talk uh, talk in front of other people. So it, it evolves and it turns into something new. And so the longer that you ignore it, the more likely it is to cause problems in your day-to-day life. It will not go away just because you decide you don't want to deal with it or because you don't know what it is. And so a lot of parents are like, well, what do I do then if it's happening? What do you mean if I, you know, what do I need to address? What do I need to do? And that's why I go back to my old friend tracking. Um, mm. If if you're seeing signs or symptoms that could possibly be anxiety, even if you're not sure, even if you think it might just be, you know, a bad behavior or a pattern or a habit or something, track it, keep track of the date, the time, what's going on, where it's going on, you know, how much they're sleeping, if there's been any changes in their like food intake, or if they're taking a new medication for something, monitor all those things. Because with just a, a week, two weeks, three weeks of data, you're going to have a pretty good indicator of what's underlying that. You're going to see some patterns. You're, you're going to be able to, to pull it together and go, ah, this happens when 
you know, X, Y, and Z goes on. And then the good news is you now have some really good information to take to your primary care physician, your pediatrician, your counselor, whoever you might be enlisting to help you with it. You've, you've got this data in front of you that, that can say, hi, this is, this is the pattern. This is what we're seeing. And it's a lot easier to get to some solutions at that point. Can you develop anxiety or is it something that you're either born with or you're born without? Extra anxiety. Everybody has anxiety. We've talked about that. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the answer to your question is uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> you, you can, you are born with it. Sometimes you're born with a, like a higher um, intensity of it for whatever reason, you know, genetics or, or maybe some, some life experiences, but you also can develop it over time. So you can have a kid who's who's born with essentially, you know, a pretty normal nervous system. They're they're not overly reactive to things, but maybe they have some life experiences that tell them, you know, the scary things happen and you should be on alert. Um, and then you have to kind of pay attention to what that might be indicating for them. And so it it can you can start with it, you can develop it over time, you can develop it later in life. Um, there's really no you don't age out of it. Um, I do think it gets easier as you get older because you better understand yourself, but anxiety can pop up anytime. Because that was my next question was, can you outgrow it? Can you mature out of it? I think you can certainly mature and, and learn more and more effective ways to deal with it. I would I would say that I'm light years away from where I was as a child um, with my particular experience of anxiety. I, I now recognize it, know what to do. It, it does not get in my way. I worked pretty hard to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And some adults maybe don't have the input or the support or the the experience or guidance that I had along the way to get there. And so it might take longer. And certainly we see people, you know, much later in their lives that are struggling with anxiety. And maybe it's a new thing because of the phase of life that they're in. It's it's newly developed, or maybe it was something that was never dealt with when they were younger and it, and it kind of came back. So, I mean, that's, that's the thing about anxiety is because it's so natural and necessary. It's kind of mm-hmm. always there it, and it, it's just going to ebb and flow throughout your life phases and life experiences. You mentioned life experiences causing anxiety. Are you talking just normal life experiences like we started kindergarten or we did this uh, versus like a traumatic experience? Is there a difference between the trauma and the life experience? Yes and no. I mean, I'm talking about all of those things because, I mean, you know, getting married is is a big event, right? Having children. (laughs) (laughs) I won't tell anybody who said that. Okay, Um, (laughs) sure. But so, you know, having a child is a big life experience and, and yeah. a bit traumatic at times. Uh, but those things can cause anxiety, of course. But but if you have a, an adverse life event, something that, you know, is maybe life-threatening or, or potentially traumatic, then, of course, that, that has the potential to cause even more anxiety. doesn't mean it will. And that's the mm-hmm. same with these other, you know, life milestones like getting married, having children, buying a house, getting a new job, graduating from school. All of those things have the potential to bring with them their own anxieties, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's anxiety anxiety disorder land, you know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, but when you have adverse life events or traumatic life events, you know, the chances are a little bit higher. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's what I was saying. If you have traumatic events, like you talked about you getting sick when you were younger or a car accident or mm-hmm. a sexual assault when you're young or something, those are going to trigger something that you probably weren't born with. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would take your, your existing natural level of protective anxiety and, and kind of potentially ramp it up. Now there are people who have these difficult experiences and maybe deal with them differently or have supports. And so it, it doesn't get to a clinical level of anxiety, but it, it's certainly more possible. So if you have anxiety as a child, it's not dealt with, you become an adult, what can happen there? What can that lead to? Unresolved childhood stuff comes with you into adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so people who have mental health issues in childhood that are not addressed or treated or recognized, you know, and, and, and I want to be clear, treatment isn't necessary for every person who's struggling with an emotional 
difficulty. Sometimes it's just a matter of supportive family and friends, taking care of yourself, you know, that kind of thing. It doesn't always mean treatment. But if you have things that are not handled, not well coped with throughout your your childhood and your adolescence, and you take those with you into adulthood, you are at a higher likelihood of emotional difficulties later on in your life. So you may be more susceptible to things like depression or, you know, other mental health concerns or, or, you know, more serious anxiety conditions because you, you didn't deal with that stuff from before. Um, I think it's, it's quite possible that you can take, I think all adults bring with them some childhood baggage, right? Like I, I think, I don't think it's possible to grow up and not bring some hurts with you, some, some unresolved things that you went through that you're just kind of carrying around. But the more of those you have and the less attention you, you give to them and the less self-care that you engage in, the more likely you are to develop things like depression um, and other anxiety disorders in adulthood. You mentioned everybody bring in some childhood baggage. How important is it to process that baggage, no matter what it is. Cause I can sit here and tell you probably four or five things from my childhood that someone said to me that it's just, they've stuck with me. I don't consider them traumatic. I don't consider them being very harmful, but they stuck with me. So how do you properly process things? So when you get to be an adult, you don't still carry that baggage, leave it at baggage claim. So that's, that is a tricky question. And I, I love that you asked it the way you did, because when I think about you know, there, there were things I remember in fifth grade, a girl commented that I wore the same outfit like two times in one week. And I, to this day, I am right. hyper aware of, oh, I already wore that sweater on Monday. I can't wear it again on Thursday. Right. So those things stick with you, but like, it's not causing me distress. I'm not panicking. Oh no, I wore the same sweater, you know, three times in one week. That's it. I'm ruined. You know, it's, it's not getting in the way of my life. It's just it sort of became a thing in my head that I that I used to kind of help make decisions. And so I, I wouldn't qualify that as baggage so much. Okay. But at the time, it was upsetting. It hurt my mm-hmm. feelings, you know. Sure. So so it hurt, but like I, I don't know that that's something that I'm, you know, held back by. And so I think it depends on the nature of it. So the things that are the most likely to, to come with you into adulthood and cause problems would be, you know, relationship issues with your primary caregivers. So, you know, moms, dads, guardians that you had conflict with that it didn't, you didn't get a chance to resolve that. Those kinds of things um, hurts any kind of abuse you might've experienced. Those are things that, you know, if, if they're not attended to and you get into adulthood, your, your likelihood of those things surfacing are there. And, and there's no way to know for sure, because everybody kind of has their own level of resilience, their own coping skills, their support network, all those things that are here to help us. Um, and so not everybody suffers, but it's just anything that you don't attend to, um, that that interferes with your functioning later on would be considered baggage. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about so childhood anxiety not properly dealt with into adulthood now, and you've got other mental concerns or issues, and then you become a parent. Are you going to be more aware of it in your child, or is it going to be because it was unresolved? This is just going to be like this big cyclical thing. <laughs> so it, it could go both ways. All right. um, you know, I, I saw something yesterday and I, I think I'll post this on our Facebook page, but it talked about how, you know, oftentimes the, the tensest moments we have with our children are the moments when we are seeing something in them that we never resolved ourselves. Right. And it was just very profound. And just that idea that we, we haven't, you know, we're just big kids, right. We haven't worked through all our stuff yet. 
right? And and so our kids bring out those sort of cracks and those those fissures in our our development and our you know brain power. And so um, it is it is really tricky because some of the time we're taking out our ugly stuff on our children. Some mm. of the time when we lose it. You know, we hear our own parents come out of our mouths saying things we swore we would never say. Like th- those are moments when maybe our, our old stuff might be haunting us a little bit. But many, many times, and I see this over and over again in my practice, families go, you know what? I didn't really like the way this was handled when I was a kid or in the last few generations. And so I'm going to work really hard to do it different. And because of the way I, you know, was raised or how I felt about myself because of all these things, you know, here's how I want to to raise my kids and I'm going to work hard and I'm going to learn from it. Right. So, but I, but I don't think it's either or, I mean, I think, I think some of us still work through our things as we figure out what it means to raise our own children. Um, but I also think we use our experiences to try to improve upon, you know, yeah. what we might've experienced. Yeah. It's hard to parent the me out of my child, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, is it? Those, and I mean, that's so true. Those are the most frustrating moments when I go, oh, I know what you're doing because that's, that's exactly what I do, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's always fun. Nikki, we've talked in past episodes about how every behavior is a communication from that child. So give us a little advice on what to look for in the child. If if they're acting out, if she's having a, a, a toddler tantrum or a fit or something, what do we need to be in tune to instead of correcting the behavior? Like, are they missing something that we need to figure out? You said it very well. Every behavior is a form of communication. And so it's kind of a mix of the child learning to recognize what those signs and symptoms are within their own body, recognizing what it means for them and what, you know, what, what they can take from it. But it's also for us as parents, it's time to, to go, Hmm, what, what is going on underneath? What do they need that they can't say what's missing? What unmet need might be prompting this behavior. And so it becomes kind of a, a search a search mission for parent and child together. So you, you, for example, you could take your kiddo who's, you know, having tummy aches every day before school and you can say, well, you know what, let's figure this out. Let's be explorers and figure out why you might be having a tummy ache every day before school. What is your body trying to tell you, you know, and in a perfect world, (laughs) which I do know that we don't live in one of those. So Mm -hmm. I, I get that. But if the conversation can kind of, you know, Hey, so every day before school, I wonder if it's because you're nervous about something. Hmm. Is your body trying to tell you you have a hard time with something? Yeah, my body's trying to tell me that that math is hard. Oh gosh, well, math is hard. I wonder what we're gonna do about that. Could we, you know, could we practice our math a little bit more at night? So maybe then your your body wouldn't need to tell you that it's hard because your body could say, Hey, you know how to do this. Like you're you're almost kind of putting some some different responses in there for the kiddo. You're going, hey, when you feel like this, ask what your body might be trying to tell you, right? You're you're teaching them to kind of investigate. And, and discover and figure out what it all means. But at the same time, we need to do that too. Because, I, you know, I know for me, if if every morning is a, a struggle at our house, one of the first things I've learned over you know, several years of observation is that means we're not getting enough sleep. We've had too much screen time the night before, and we're not getting enough hours of sleep to wake up and be ready for the day. So those behaviors in the morning are, you know, cluing me in and alerting me to the problem that is lack of sleep. And so it's just, that's why tracking so important, but it's also having that conversation instead of going, well, you're just nervous because of math. How can you engage with your child and help them discover that that, that tummy ache is their body telling them something and what is it telling them and what could you do? What action can you take to fix the thing? Does that make sense? Yeah. And very nice because all these fits of anxiety always happen at the most convenient times. <laughs> yes, they sure do. <laughs> So, and, and that's such a great point because nobody has time 
to work through and discover and explore and investigate in the middle of a meltdown because that's, you know, you're inevitably on your way somewhere or it's bedtime or you have to be at school or work or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so good point. Great feedback. <laughs> but but, you- but I do, I do want to add, and sorry, I cut you off because you're probably going to say the same thing I just did. I've done it both ways with my son. And when it's the clock's ticking and we got to leave because school starts at a certain time or we got to leave to make the two hour trip to St. Louis or wherever we're going, it's hard to deal with it. And if you can tell yourself to deal with it, it's a little easier and full disclosure, I'm not great at it, but I've also done it when we've had time and there's been something that's made him anxious and we've sat and we've talked and we've worked through it and it works B-E-A beautifully. Mm-hmm. If you have the time, if you have the time and sometimes you have to make the time. Sometimes you say, well, you know, I'm sorry, you have a tummy ache. I I have some ideas about that. We'll talk about it after school today. We've got to go and then be conscious, set time. We're going to talk about this tonight because sometimes you can't do that exploration when they're in a fight or flight mode anyway. Like just 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 before we you know set up to record tonight, we were having a, well. I've got math on the mind because we were having a mass meltdown and I did not have time to deal with the issue. I did not. I had, I had to be ready to record in 10 minutes. And so, you know, I, I kind of, I said bookmark and we bookmarked it and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the problem later. And both of us will be in a better state of mind and it'll be easier to find some solutions. So there is not always time to deal with and explore and have these conversations with your kids. And I know that they don't go smoothly, but as Chad said, you know, if you set aside time, if you revisit it, you can get a lot further with it. And, and that's another thing you, you can spend the time fighting your way through it and both be frustrated, or you can spend the time working your way through it and, and with some, some happier conclusions and be better for it. So you just decide how you want to spend your time. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard. So to wrap up this episode, uh, basically, don't ignore the signs. It's almost like if you had a, f- a physical symptom, and I know anxiety sometimes it is a physical symptom, but with a with a doctor, oh, my well, my shoulder hurts right now and it has for a while. I should probably get it checked out, but I don't think like it's that much of a, an issue. But it's like, you know, get it checked out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. If just like a physical ailment, if, you know, and <laughs> I broke my finger, it swelled up, it turned purple. Yeah. Okay. Something might be wrong. I better get that <laughs> looked at. Right. But I'll tell you, I almost didn't get it looked at. Wow. I was like, it's just a finger. Like, you know, it, I'm I sure it's nine fine. Others. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure it's just jammed it. It's fine. But if, if something's going on, something's out of the ordinary, any kind of symptom, physical, emotional, or behavioral, you know, pay attention to it because it is your body communicating. And, and it's, we just have such cool systems that can alert us to things. It's just not always clear. And, and I think so much of raising kids with heightened anxiety or with anxiety difficulties or anxiety disorders is just learning to interpret the body. Yeah. And that's, that's a tricky path sometimes to walk down. So best of luck from one anxious parents uh, to another. <laughs> I do want to invite you back to our Facebook page. Um, every Sunday, something new we've started in 2022 is, is using the help of music to kind of help mellow out um, mental health. And we find a song every week. Sometimes it relates to the topic we just talked about or the topic we're going to talk about. And sometimes it's just a song that we think will get you in a good mood. It's music for the minds. So we do that every Sunday and uh, give a listen to that or, or let your kids listen to it. There's been several that we've posted that my son brought to me is like, dad, this is exactly what it's, what it's like when I'm anxious. So it's pretty cool. It might be a little, a little way to, to help you out. Our next episode, episode 15 is one I think both of us are looking forward to. For sure. And we're going to, we're going to talk about what to do when parents disagree. That happens. Oh gosh. No, never. We okay, are always yeah, on that same, just kidding. We hardly ever disagree hardly ever agree. Um, I think this could be like a nine hour episode. We could turn it into marathon because there's so much to be said on that. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm super looking forward to that topic. 
All right. So that's coming out in a couple of weeks. Again, if you haven't yet, uh, if you like it, go ahead and subscribe to the Scrambled Podcast. And don't forget to share this on social media or with someone close to you that you think could benefit. Our whole goal was to start a conversation. We believe we've started the conversation and the conversation continues with you. 